everybody. Donnie Gardner here with the Boston Terrier Society. In today's episode, we have Jennifer with us. She's the founder of the Mid-America Boston Terrier Rescue. She actually operates within several states. In today's episode, she's going to talk about the hundreds and literally thousands of Boston Terriers she's saved since the rescue was founded, as well as some ways that you can actually help volunteer or even adopt from the rescue. So without further ado, let's get started in today's episode. Okay. Um, so yeah, just getting started. Uh, could you just tell me a little bit about or about Mid America's mission and kind of your goals? Well, as far as our goals and mission, pretty much combined in the efforts that we want to save lives when it comes to Boston Terriers and Boston mixes, of course. Um, these are dogs that are needing to be rehomed, and we just want to ensure that they end up in a safe and happy environment. So we do try to encourage people to go through a rescue or a shelter when it comes to adoption or rehoming, just due to the fact that we can do a lot more homework to ensure that what people are really telling you is fact. Um, and then we also want to educate people about the existence of rescue. Um, it's become definitely more popular. But we still have people that are really surprised when you say you do dog rescue and they ask the question, what is that? Um, we're just an alternative to shelters, but the plus is that we have a foster environment where we can actually evaluate the dog in a home environment instead of them living in a boarding facility, per se. Okay. Uh, we do... Many... S- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No. Oh, how many volunteers do you have like working on that as like a foster parent? situation? That is a good question. (laughs) And a number that changes on a regular basis, just due to the fact that everyone is volunteers, including myself. So no one within our organization is paid, but it is a big undertaking for someone to be a foster parent. Mm -hmm. Um, It's bringing a strange dog into your home and it may not blend in well. You may have a positive experience. You may have a stressful experience. Um, As far as the number goes, We service 13 states, which means that we have volunteers across 13 states that help us in the capacity of doing home visits and transportation. However, we only have foster parents existing across six states. And, you know, for example, in South Dakota, I only have two foster families. But in the state of Nebraska, I have close to 10 um, foster parents. And those fosters, though, take breaks. So it's really hard to give a number, but I would probably say if you were to combine everybody, we're almost towards 100. But that's in every capacity as far as doing admin work to transporting dogs, doing home visits, um, and fostering. Right. And like, so I guess, you know, everyone's volunteered and everything. Um, What inspired you to just create this? Because this was created back in 2006, correct? Correct. November 2005 is our initial start date. Um, Prior to that, I was assisting another rescue organization and before for about three years. But even before that, um, when I was introduced to rescue, I had no idea what it was. And, you know, a lot of people apologize when they tell me, oh, I bought my first dog from a pet store. I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm in the same boat. I mean, me and my husband, I didn't know about rescue. And we went to a pet store and got our first Boston Terrier. Yeah, I bought um, mine from a breeder. So. Right, and but it's 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 called awareness. And so when I was introduced to rescue and the concept, I'm like, 
this is crazy. I mean, but I saw the potential and I knew that there was a need for additional help. And that's when I dabbled into the industry of rescue. And I've never looked back. <laughs> I couldn't imagine yeah. life without it now. Uh-huh. As far as like uh, the bosses that you receive and everything, like what is one of the common reasons for basically finding a Boston in your care? Okay. That's a great question. And um, there's many reasons dogs come into our program, but I will tell you 50% um, of my intakes are from breeders. Um, mm-hmm. So one of our missions That's and surprising. our goals I would have never is that, that, yes. And when I say breeders, um, I'm basically bundling them up into one bucket. So we have mm-hmm. backyard breeders, You have um, breeder, you know, you have a family that may only have a male and a female, um, and these dogs, excuse me, are living in their home. They're still breeders, right, because that was the intent Mm -hmm. of their dog. And then you have what I refer to as puppy mills, um, which is almost close to 30% of our intake. Mm -hmm. And these are big breeding farms where the only reason these animals exist is to breed puppies that end up in those pet stores that we're shopping in. So... We get them from breeders, which is my number one intake, and it could be for multiple reasons. It could be that the dog is no longer performing, the dog has a medical um, issue, um, and the breeder actually is wanting the dog to receive care, but they can't provide that care. Um, it could be that they're circulating their stock, so they, you know, once the dog turns seven, they no longer need that dog, um, and they replace it with a younger dog. Um, so there's multiple reasons in that, in that bucket. And then the second bucket is shelters. It is very important that we maintain a positive relationship with shelters because we know that if you were to ask somebody, what do you, where are you going to take your dog? The number one place is a shelter because that's existed from day one. Mm -hmm. However, we know that they can come to capacity. So we actually work with shelters that every Boston that comes into their program, they automatically call us and don't place them on the adoption floor because they may get, for example, a pug, and I'm just throwing that out there, that mm-hmm. they don't have a relationship with a pug rescue. So that dog needs place on that floor. Um, we have shelters that don't provide certain medical treatment, but yet the dog deserves a second chance. And so we are contacted because we have that capability. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog may be stressful or it doesn't pass its behavior test before considering euthanasia or considering the dog unadoptable, they will reach out to us and give us the opportunity to come in and take that dog out of the facility and place it in a home environment instead of a shelter environment. So that is our second intake. And then our last one is going to be owner surrenders, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that number is increasing, which is kind of a positive thing the way I look at it because now people are aware that they have other options other than selling dogs on Craigslist or online or dropping it off at a shelter, that they can actually come to a rescue um, and receive the same service as far as rehoming your dog. And the reason people give their dogs up, you you can can throw any reason out there, and I guarantee you I've heard it before. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't even. I thought that would have been the number one reason. Um, so I, I have a and it isn't daughter. because of the awareness. It's right again, people being aware that rescue even exists as a service. Yeah, yeah. I have a two-year-old daughter and uh, Bella, my Boston. You know, we had her for eight years before we had my daughter, so she wasn't used to little kids and whatnot. And it nipped yeah. her on the forehead, and uh, our vet yeah. said, you know, you you need to do training or you know rehome her somewhere else. Um, 
and I wouldn't even have thought that. I mean, we did the training and everything, but I would have never thought about a Boston Terrier rescue and that. Yeah, awesome. and you could see our numbers. When I tell people, you know, we take up to 300 Bostons a year, people are like, are you serious? Do you, there's that many Bostons out there? They can't believe. But there's a rescue for every breed of dog, every type of animal of dog. Um, because they, yes, there are situations. I just got an email this week. Um, somebody just had a baby and their child is allergic to the dog. The last thing you need is for your child to end up in the emergency room because of your dog, because I'm being allergic to the dog and it's no one's fault. Um, but it is a situation that requires rehoming. Right. And, uh, I saw on your website and everything, so you handle all the medical care. Like, is there a process once you receive a dog that every dog is going to go to, like, the vet and... Correct. Um, so we do have relationships with multiple vets. We actually have to have relationships with vets in the areas that my foster parents exist. Mm -hmm. So once a dog comes into our program, um, we, all our foster parents have a checklist. So is the dog current on rabies? You know, has it been heartworm tested? Is it microchipped? Does it need a dental? Um, is it scratching at its ears? What the coat looks like? Um, so we go through this list and my goal prior to adoption is I want my dog in the best health as possible. And that's why we do constant fundraising um, because all that money doesn't go towards paying, you know, an employee, but it goes towards paying our medical bills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the expense on our medical side is really high people. Um, I'll try to pull that number up here in the meantime, but mm -hmm. it's a very high number because again, if the dog has <clears throat> a hernia when it goes in to get spayed, I want it taken care of. Why not right. the dog out again six months later to have it repaired or never have it repaired? Um, we get a lot of bad teeth. People do not realize that dogs need their teeth cleaned. Mm -hmm. And you will not believe the horrific dentals that we are always doing. Oh, um, ear infections, you know, heartworm positive. Um, we just experienced about a month ago, we, we had three heartworm positive dogs in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Those dogs will die if they are not treated. And so we right. provide that treatment to take, you know, to ensure that they have a healthy life in the full, in the moving forward because it is treatable. Yeah. So as far as like, um, you know, someone wanting to adopt a, a Boston Terrier from you and you have these overhead costs, how does the adoption from you work? Like, cost So the, the cost adoption of... fees don't even come close to covering our medical costs. Right. And that's not the intent. And that's why we fundraise. Mm -hmm. Um, the adoption fee is a value we place on the dog because, mm -hmm. and it's all based on the age of the dog. So for mm -hmm. example, my maximum adoption fee is $400. That's the maximum mm -hmm. you'll ever pay for a dog in my program. And it goes all the way down to 150. As the dog gets older, that adoption fee gets lower because no one's going to pay me $400 for a 10, 10 year old dog. Correct. Right. right. Um, so we need to put a value to the dog. I will never give a dog away for free. Because if you cannot afford an adoption fee, you obviously probably not going to be able to afford their next vet appointment or to put dog food into their bowl. Um, so we do a lot of fundraising. I mean, I will have a dog that walks out of my program only costing me $80, for example. So absolutely, we made a profit, if you want to call it, on that, that head. However, the next dog that comes into my program, I'm spending hundreds of dollars, especially senior dogs. Um, they need dentals, they may have a tumor or a cyst that needs to be removed, skin infection. I could be spending, you know, four to $500 on a dog 
and his adoption fee may only be $200. Right. So there's a loss right there, and I have to make up for that loss. Um, and again, that's where I stress the fundraising. I mean, we do so much fundraising, whether it's coming up with a new t-shirt design for the year. Um, this year we're doing like um, a, a memory book, which I use the example. It's like a baby book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're always holding fundraisers, um, doing raffles and auctions. And, you know, people donate to us on a monthly basis just to donate. Um, it, it's so that's how we make up the difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as um, fundraising, is there a way to give other than, uh, you know, monetary? Like, can people- Absolutely. So mm-hmm. at all our fundraisers, we always do raffles. Um, we do on, we do auctions as well. So if you guys have anything that you have a value or that someone else may want, um, you can always donate it to us and we'll turn around and raffle it off and make some money on it. Um, you know, we, we also need harnesses and leashes. Um, people donate towels to us because especially if we're transporting dogs, you know, we may, we may have to send them in a crate with a towel. Well, we're not going to get that back. Right. And we definitely don't want to go out and buy it because now that's an expense. So there's there's a lot of people out there that have towels or harness or, you know, crates that are sitting in their garage that they're no longer using. Consider rescue. And it doesn't have to mm-hmm. just be Boston rescue. You have rescues across the whole United States. Pick up the phone or go on Google and see what they could potentially utilize that is sitting in your garage not being used at all. Right. What's like, yeah, just off the top of your head, kind of like, what's the one thing, you know, other than, of course, cash helps, especially for the health issues that somebody could possibly donate to you that you guys have have a need for? Um, One of the, uh, there's a couple, um, I'll I'll list a couple, like diapers and belly bands um, we're always in need of. Um, You know, for example, I have a little girl right now that came from a breeder and she's in heat, so she has to walk around with a diaper because otherwise I'll end up with a mess in the house. Um, Puppy pads are always needed. Um, We we got a litter of puppies, and, of course, they can't go outside. Um, And I just, you know, ways that we can eliminate damage to our foster parents and make it a positive experience. Um, Harnesses are always in great need. We actually, every single dog that gets adopted out of our program leaves with a harness. So we can encourage people to use it during walking because it is a big expense over a collar. Mm-hmm. So we try to provide that up front. Okay. Is there a certain brand of uh, harness that you guys use or is it just kind of? Um, we don't have a certain brand. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, size is definitely um, a criteria. There is, um, we actually have on Amazon Smile. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, and, and that's one thing people should consider is if you're a big Amazon shopper, all you have to do is type in AmazonSmile.com. It's the exact same website as Amazon. However, you get the opportunity to pick a nonprofit organization. So certain items on Amazon will actually put money back into the pocket of these nonprofit organizations that you have chosen. Okay. Um, And I'm assuming you're on there as far as Mid-America. We are on there. Yep. Absolutely. We're on there. Yep. Okay. In the show notes, I'll put that link and everything below. Um, Okay. As far as like... As far as becoming a foster parent, what does that look like if somebody wanted to help us that way? Yep. And I will start first by the with the caveat that I share with every person that comes to me and interviews me to become mm-hmm. a foster is there is a big difference between fostering a dog and adopting a dog. When you're fostering a dog, you are the guinea pig. No matter how much information is disclosed to us, 
we just don't know what we're going to get. And so it takes a special family to be a foster parent. Um, there could be some frustration because, you know, you're told that the dog was potty trained and here it's barking and potting in your house. Um, you as a foster parent have to get to know that dog so that we can solicit that dog to potential adopters. What it takes is there is an online, um, well, there's an application that you have to fill out. Um, and at the very beginning, it just talks about responsibility. Um, we cover everything when it comes to expenses for that foster dog. We just ask that you provide love, a roof over their head, and a bed for them to sleep in and make them part of your family. Um, and then what will happen after the application is submitted, we, that will trigger an interview with me. And that's when I go through what the responsibility of a foster parent is. And it's not just housing the dog. Um, it does require you to take time to review applications that come in for your foster dog. And it also requires you to pick up the phone and actually interview the potential applicant over the phone. So if you're not comfortable with those things, um, you know, that, that may be an issue. Um, and then, of course, getting that dog to and from the vet. However, another way to volunteer is for those people out there that are retired, um, we're always looking for people to pick up a dog from a foster home, take it to the vet appointment, and bring it back because mm-hmm. most of our foster parents work full-time, too. Right. Okay. And you can uh-huh. find um, the foster link on our website as well. Okay. I'll be sure to add that as well. Um, Great. As far as, because I, I know you sent, you'd sent me an email, so you're on track to save 3,800 Boston Terriers this year, right? Yes. So um, we do have our stats um, always disclosed on the website. And I do want to stress that a lot of information is on the website and we're not here to hide anything. So if you ever want to look at our stats um, under about, it will list our stats on a monthly basis um, and then a yearly basis. So as of today, we're at 3,869 Bostons and Boston mixes that have been saved since November 2005. Wow. This year alone, we're already at 248. What is your like goal as far as like, do you have a yearly goal or is it just kind of, we're going to see I what don't happens? Want to put there, I, I don't want to put a number on there um, yeah. because we always, you know, it's really hard for us to say no. Um, which is very rare. Um, there are certain cases that we have to mm-hmm. say no. However, I always want to be able to save a life and right. be able to give it a second chance. And if that's picking up the phone and begging the foster parents that don't have a foster dog to take a dog in, I will. So there is really no goal. If next year we're at 400, we're at 400. If we're only at 100, we're only at 100. I guess as far as like, let's say the organization as a whole, do you have a, a goal? An annual or like a five-year plan, anything like that. That as far as lives saved. No, just uh, maybe growing your volunteer numbers or. Yeah, we're always so the biggest. The biggest gap where we're always pressing is for foster homes. Um, okay. I can have a million dollars. That mm-hmm. million dollars isn't going to place dogs in foster homes. Um, and right. you know, foster parents need a break. Um, I have some fosters that take foster after foster after foster. Um, and eventually they need a break or they have to go out of town. Um, or what if we end up with 10 dogs coming in in one weekend, which has happened before. Now I need 10 fosters. So my, my number one rule is that there's only one foster dog per foster home because it's already enough taking care of your own family and your own pets that I also need you to be able to place focus. So we will never place two or more dogs 
foster dogs in any mm-hmm. one particular home. Okay. So 10 dogs take 10 foster homes. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. So yeah, you're, that's a lot, especially if you've already went over 300 this year. We're this year we're at 247 or 240. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And um, just to go back to one of my questions that you had asked is what our medical costs look like. Mm-hmm. So if you ever go under about, um, I have our month, it says newsletter. In January, um, in every January issue, we disclose all our financials. And so in 2018, our medical costs were 86% of our expenses. Our expenses in 2018 was $170,000. And 86% of that was just on medical costs. Wow. And our, yeah, so that just gives you, and just to let you know, adoption fees only mm-hmm. hit 40%. Okay, yeah. So you can see there's a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and those tests are all on the website. That's fantastic. Absolutely. It's on in our newsletter. Um, we disclose all our financials for every single year in the January issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess is there anything that you would, anything else that you could think of that you'd like to share or tidbit to somebody that's wanting to adopt or become a foster parent? Adoption, there's you know, there's the statement and the people assume that they're all damaged when they mm-hmm. come into rescue, and just like you made the comment that you you know your dog just wasn't comfortable being around a toddler, or right now I'm taking a little dog in that it's it's not his fault that a child was born and is allergic to him. They're not all damaged at all. And these dogs just so much appreciate the fact that they are getting a second chance and they'll turn out to be your best companion. So you need to keep adoption an option. And the other thing, too, is that I do want people to go out there and read up about puppy mills. Honestly, all you have to do is go into Google and put in puppy mills. And it's just a horrific living situation that these parents come from and it will only continue as long as people go to pet stores and buy puppies it's all Mm -hmm. about supply and demand but you know we're here to educate people um there's nothing wrong that you you know you did it many many years ago but now that you're aware of rescue you have to make that an option the other thing too is that we're always here to support people i am not begging anyone to give me their dog So if you are having an issue or you're at a point of frustration and you're considering rehoming your dog, pick up your phone, pick up the phone and call your local rescue for that breed and talk to them because we can provide you guys with tips and advice in hope that you could potentially keep your pet instead of turning them over. Right. And then as far as many, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, as far as getting in contact with you, what's the best way uh, to reach out to you? The best way is via email. Um, So we disclose all contact information. There is a phone Mm -hmm. number, which goes directly to me on my website. Um, However, if you're calling to talk to me about a particular dog, I those dogs aren't fostered with me. Um, So you need to go through the process, and that's going to the website, getting your application filled out, which is the bottleneck of the process. And I always tell people, do not wait until you see a dog to get your application in. Because there are people that already applied weeks ago that are just on file, and all they have to do is send us an email without going through the approval process. So it is important that you get your application on file with as many rescues. You don't have to apply with just one, by the way. Mm -hmm. So get your application on file, and then 
we will keep them, um, we will stay in communication via email. It's just a better and easier way to get to the masses. But of course, the phone number is always there. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We have an email um, list. So you're more than welcome to get on our email list so that you can get regular updates. Um, but you need to contact us. We don't know you're out there looking. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I guess one of the, sorry, this is going back. Um, how long does the typical Boston stay? I know it's different for each Boston, but um, before you get them uh, a home. And that's a good question, too. So I do want to play the caveat that every rescue is independent of one another. We mm-hmm. have, okay, and so every rescue operates differently. And in my particular case, I'm very proud of our family because we are able to have a turnaround on average of two to three weeks for our okay. Bostons. Um, that's from the time they come in to getting vetted, to getting evaluated, and then getting adopted out. And my key is that I want to move a dog onto its forever home sooner than later because the more comfortable they become with us, the harder that transition is, not just on the dog, but even my foster family. They get mm-hmm. attached. Um but every dog varies. I mean, I have some dogs that have been with me for two months, and that's because they need a very specific home. In many of the cases, a, do- a home with no other dog because they are dog aggressive, but they're adoptable. So I always tell people to be patient. There is no waiting list. There is no such thing as first come, first serve. And again, I'm just talking about my organization. I'm very proud of our time management and our response, but I can't guarantee that with other rescues. So just don't get frustrated and just keep pestering them. Pestering is actually a good word in this industry. I'd rather hear from you than not because now I know you're really interested. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's another question I had. So whenever Emily and I had gotten Bella, um, my mom always had like purebred dogs. So I just assume, you know, I need to get a purebred. As far as like being AKC registered Boston Terriers, do you distinguish that or are they just? Absolutely not. So I will be honest with you. We get AKC Mm -hmm. papers. Um, Mm -hmm. I will even get owners. They turn in their dogs and they're like, I even have their AKC papers. AKC Mm -hmm. papers mean nothing to me. Once a dog is spayed and neutered, you guys, AKC papers is out the the window. Um, The only reason you need paperwork is if you're going to breed the dog. Okay. Period. Mm -hmm. And so when we get AKC papers, we re- we take the date of birth off those AKC papers and we tear them up and throw them away in the trash. We don't even pass them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my mom, she bred um, rat terriers and things like that. Um, yep. So just growing up, I always thought it was something that you had to have. And everybody did. I mean, mm-hmm. I will be honest with you. When we first got our Boston from the pet store, the first thing we did was send in our AKC papers. Yep. And it did nothing for us other than cost us $15. <laughs> right. And I do want to share, too, um, you mentioned mixes. So, you know, the other thing, too, with rescues, even though I'm breed-specific, I do take in mixes. Now, granted, I can't take in all Boston mixes because if it's mixed with a boxer, for example, that's a very large dog in most cases. Mm-hmm. So I try to, I do, except I do ask for pictures and I do hit a certain weight. I, I don't take in mixes over 25 pounds. Okay. Um, we've had purebred Bostons up to 35 and they have to have a certain look because that's what my audience is looking for when they come to my organization to adopt. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, 
Well, I mean, anything at this? Anything else you'd like to share? I guess at this point. Well, I know that you'll be sharing our links. Um, I yeah. will just ask, encourage everyone to check our website. There's lots and lots of great information on our website. Um, probably more than most websites would state I should have out there, but we have a shopping page. We have an online store. I do also want to share with everyone that under um, about us, there's a frequently asked questions section and it's lots and lots of great information. And I refer a lot of people to that and we post it on our website and in our newsletters. Um, so definitely if you're struggling with anything, um, take a peek at that. But again, my phone number is out there under contacts and I'm happy to talk to anyone um, but do check the website out first. And I just encourage people just to consider rescues over going and buying a dog at a pet store. And if you haven't looked up puppy mills, I would take time to do it and you'll probably reconsider going to a pet store. Awesome. All right. Well, Jennifer, thanks uh, for allowing me to interview in your interview and everything. Um, I do want to share two more things I forgot is that we do have a, like, um, I'll use the word hospice because it's more known. Um, we do have a hospice program. So if there's people out there that are just looking for a companion, um, but short term and they don't want to get into the fostering aspect of things, we're always looking for hospice homes. And unfortunately, these are dogs that are terminally ill and probably only have a couple of months, maybe up to a year to live. But now is not the time for us to say goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one thing. And then for my seniors out there that are listening, we do have a golden pause program. So if you are 60 years and older and you are open to adopting a Boston that is seven and older, we have a golden pause, um, $50 off the adoption fee. So for example, a seven-year-old dog is $225 adoption fee, and then you can take $50 off of that. Okay. Great. I'll add that in. And, no, that's uh, fine. And transporting, um, one thing I should have probably stressed on your um, mm-hmm. recording, yeah. transporting is huge. As you know, we cover 13 states, and we do not fly any of our dogs. They only travel by vehicle. So, for example, um, we may have a dog in Omaha, Nebraska with a forever home in Utah. And we need wow. what we do is we shoot out an email to all our volunteers, and we say, hey, is anyone traveling either the full route or a portion of the route? So the dog may go from Omaha to Colorado, hang out in Colorado for a couple of days, and then turn around and make its way onto Utah. So we're always in need of transport, and I know people are traveling. So actually under Give, it says Transporting. And if you click on that, you can actually tell us in advance any of your travel plans, and we will store that information. And if the time comes during your um, travels that we need help, that's when we'll reach out to you. Otherwise, if you don't hear from us, the ride is not needed at that time. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Yep. So that is another way that you're already in your vehicle and already driving. So why not have a fur friend hang out with you for those eight hours? (laughs) Okay. Well, awesome. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you soon. Yes. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to contact Jennifer, please look at the show notes below and links to her website will be there if you want to give or even volunteer, as well as just adopt a Boston Terrier. So thanks for listening and talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye.